This week's pod is supported by Manscaped. Manscaped is just launched in the UK. We've gone years without using the right pools for the job. And now you can be one of the first people in England to experience Manscaped's life-changing products. Manscaped is a skin-safe trimmer for below-the-belt shaving. Uh, their 7,000 RPM motor has quiet stroke technology. And I know you fellas like a quiet stroke. So they tell us that Manscaped's technology will make your testes their besties. And you can get 20% off and free shipping with the code NQAT at manscaped.com. That's code NQAT for 20% off and free shipping at manscaped.com. Um, we start in this podcast talking about one of the most boring games of football. I mean, that, that's an exaggeration, isn't it? It's recency bias. We have seen more boring games of football than this. At least there were some attempts on goal in this game. Yes. But it was pretty dull. Dave no. made one save. <laughs> one save. I mean, but look, both for, for differing reasons, I think both teams took it quite cautiously didn't they so Chelsea have shipped a lot of goals recently yeah really a lot of goals and um so Lampard went to a three at the back which I said he wouldn't do last week (laughs) you know hey hey, good good quality punditry there Uh, and just try to shut the game down a bit and they really had no ambition I mean they they had good amount of the ball in the first half but didn't create much and and then United, um, you know, cautious again with a double pivot uh, at home, which, you know, haven't won at home for quite a long time. Is that six games without a win at home? Something like that. It's at least five, yeah. Yeah. So, and, and I think, you know, whereas we'd praise Solskjaer in midweek for changing the pattern of the game against PSG with the substitutions, he didn't really do that this time. And it was all, it all felt quite conservative all the way through. Whereas, you know, I'm looking at that Chelsea side and, and I guess, as I said, tried to make the point on the pod last week, they're perhaps there for the taking. And United didn't really put pressure on them in the in the core parts of the, the pitch for enough of the game. And it all sort of cancelled each other out in the end. What, what were your thoughts? I mean, did you, did you enjoy this at all? Uh... I would definitely have much rather had the two hours back and done something else. Um, I liked it when Marcus Rashford nearly scored right at the end and friend of the show, Darren Richmond, tweeted, come on, Mendy, read the room, because <laughs> Mendy made that good save. Yeah, and he, an, made some good, he made a few good saves, Mendy, didn't he? I mean, um, I mean, United had, I mean, United created vast bulk of the chances, Four, 14 shots, only the four on target, which will tell you something of... You know, the nature, I mean, a few of those are fairly long range. Um, but uh, he had to make some saves. I mean, yeah, and, and Dave and, didn't. And Dave didn't. He had that one save to make and that was it. 
I mean, I have to say, if we were, there must be Chelsea podcasters this weekend going, for God's sake, they were there for the taking. What were you doing? Why are you playing so conservatively against them? They're not that much of a, you know, they're so weak at the back. Why don't you try and expose their core weaknesses? I actually think, um, you know, we talked a bit on on the preview about whether we should go with a back three and you were saying, you know, it might be a bit of a defensive move. And I actually think what he did was the worst of both worlds because to play with that midfield pivot in a 4-2-3-1, now you're really playing a defensive lineup because essentially with James on the left... Fred and McTominay. Okay, so Fred can occasionally create something. McTominay creates next to nothing. Daniel James creates negative nothing. Um, So you've got Mata, Fernandez, and Rashford and the fullbacks in very inverted commas, neither of whom are going to create anything. You know, of course, I'm, I don't literally mean neither of whom will ever create anything, but broadly speaking, all the creative impetus is on three players in that side I mean that is a that is a incredibly defensive mindset and like you said that the change I thought the changes were weird I mean I know everybody's been talking about this in relation to this game but given that he didn't play against Paris he hasn't started a game in the league yet I thought and, and how good he's looked when he's played. I thought the fact that Van der Beek didn't come on at half time for Fred say or McTominay um and McTominay was pretty dreadful in this game actually um I thought that was it was quite shocking and having praised Solskjaer for getting the tactics the tone and the substitutions right the starting tactics the tone and the substitutions right against Paris I would say in this game he got the starting tactics the tone and the substitutions all wrong in this game yeah and then on top of that some individual performances that that didn't really, you know, add to United's attacking cause, really. I mean, you've called out McTominay, who's who's very quiet, and Fred too, really. I mean... Um, sure. Yeah. I mean, neither of them create anything, really. And we've talked about the fullbacks ad infinitum. Uh, I mean, I, I do think there's a, a point. I mean, sure is shot, I think, but we'll see whether Tellez can uh, put any pressure on him, real pressure, this season or not. And and at some point in later on in the season, we can return to Wan-Bazaka and see whether he's improved at all. Because he has to. He has to in the modern game. Otherwise, United have a real problem. And especially playing Dan James as one of the wide attackers and Matter as the other one, who's not going to create anything from wide, is he? You know, he no. always, he's always going to drift in. Uh, so it, it just, it kind of had a bit of an old-school feel to it, this one. This is a United team that did, just didn't create much at all, despite all those shots. I mean, you know, they were just half, not even half uh, chances, most of them. I mean, 0.87, the combined XG in this game, which will tell you just how much quality openings there were. Between both teams? Yeah, yeah, combined. <laughs> oh, that, is, that is impressively dreadful. Yeah, so nil-nil, very much the right result then in a game that created less than a goal's worth of uh, quality of chances. I mean, to be a, just a broken record that, that everyone's seen, I'm sure the clip of, I mean, I noticed this in, in real time of Fernandez pointing for to Shaw to go on the overlap and Shaw just not going on the overlap. Um, really dodgy. Um Luke Shaw, perfectly serviceable as a left centre back in a back three, shot, shot in that, yeah, shot in that formation. I, I, I don't really understand. Was Tellers wasn't even on the bench, of course. No, I mean, so talk that perhaps he was injured. Maybe, or... maybe he picked up an injury. Maybe they were concerned about his 
uh, the amount of football he's played. Although he started the season with Porto, so he's he's not you know completely undercooked like say Cavani. Um, you know, I think we've got we obviously feel that there's a higher ceiling for Wenbazeka. That's why we'll reserve criticism of him. But he he his um, expected assists last season were 0.08, right? So no, I it, and my, and and I know he improved as the season went on. Uh, but it's even less so far this season. Very small sample size. Um, but my um, my my argument with you about Wembasaka isn't about the ceiling on his ability as an attacking fullback. It's his quality as a defensive fullback. Now, what that means is the team as a collective. You and Solskjaer should know this. You cannot be relying on him for your productivity on the right hand side. It, you've got to he is an absolutely exceptional talent at what he is an exceptional talent at and he's worth having in the side for his ability to defend particularly in a world sure, of sure and, where... and my my point isn't binary i mean there there was uh, i can't remember who it was maybe it was uh, might be martin lipton or one of the journalists uh, tweeted out something along the lines of you know when does Solskjaer run out of patience with him and and i i just think in in uh, in the way that the game has developed, um, that attacking fullbacks have become very important. Now, it doesn't mean that everyone has to play the same way, but if United are going to play with a fullback who we cannot expect to create much and and does honestly get a nosebleed in attacking situations quite a lot, you know, he's he's got a bit of the Antonio Valencia's about him. Um, then then we have to you know build our team accordingly now i assume yeah. that's why we wanted uh jaden sancho or you know Solskjaer wanted jaden sancho i should say <laughs> uh, because his numbers both in terms of creating the assists the expected assists his xg chain his goals his expected goals you know it's it's world class every single number um yeah. and and that would have balanced some of that out a little bit but without it um, we went into the, the game with uh, Juan Mato, who admittedly had a very good game against Newcastle. Is it only a week ago now? There's so many games so fast, it's it's hard to keep track. And, you know, a week ago, had a, had a very good game in a team that was the same team, right? But had a, but had a very different outcome, albeit very, very late yeah, in diff- the day. Very different opponent. Very different opponent, yeah, playing a different way. Um Hooping beyond hope that Juan Mata would be able to create with a defensive fullback, very good defensive fullback behind him, a not very good defensive fullback on the other wing, and Dan James, who at this point, yeah. you know, we, we, he's just handing, Solskjaer is handing him a punishment beating, just putting him in the team. It's cruelty. You know, it just means United are, uh, I mean, he, he went on one run. At uh, which, unfortunately, of course, triggered all the United fans on social media. Went, went on one run in the second half, in which he just kind of knew beforehand as he got it in some space and was fairly central and was running more centrally. They just run into a blind alley, and that's what he did. Absolutely. Uh, and and he's just a waste of space in the United team at the moment. As a result, uh, and and so you know, it, it's not surprising United created just the point six seven or six five. Sorry, of the. 0.87 of total XG because there just wasn't much there 
And and like the the other thing which I think is interesting and is is partly Luke Shaw's fault as well is Marcus Rashford makes so many runs peeling in behind um, either the fullback or the right sided of a back three depending on who United plays so many and the amount of times someone finds him it's just almost minimal it's just tiny and the, you know there's the frustration where we're not. We have on the bench Pogba and Van der Beek, two extremely creative players, and he's just not using them, basically. And talking of making runs and players on the bench, Edinson Cavani came on and he looked really bright, nearly scored with his first touch. His runs were excellent. There was a, a very funny moment where um, I was watching, uh, chatting with a friend of mine whilst watching, and um, McTominay was on the ball and Cavani made a run. McTominay didn't even think about looking for him obviously and me and my friend were like oh yeah you're gonna have to you're gonna have to like learn and you know in like um police training drills whether it's like criminal and then innocent bystander and you have to like shoot the right ones in I don't know if this happens in real life but it happens in Call of Duty I feel like United strikers should be given drills like McTominay's on the ball don't run Pop was on the ball run <laughs> you know um it was it, it was just yeah, he's going to learn. He needs to learn which midfielders to make the runs for. Um, but that that sort of speaks to the lack of creativity. So he brought Cavani and Pogba on at the same time. Uh, Pogba wasn't able to have the influence on games that he's had coming on late uh, recently. Um, and I was kind of just waiting for the assumed 75th minute Van der Beek change. But I, I thought bringing Greenwood on was a massive, massive mistake because the problem wasn't no one to put chances away. The problem was no one to make those chances. And, and Greenwood can create chances for himself excellently and is just a very promising talent in all sorts of ways. But but th- that game needed... Va- Van der Beek was the, was the call in that situation, in my opinion. Uh, well, I guess so. I, look, I think the problem with uh, when you're playing back three is you definitely want some width be- because the width is behind the... Unless it's a flat back five which it was for a fair amount of that, um, the, the the width is typically behind the wing back. The so, space. The space, mean. yeah, sorry. You want some width because the space is behind the fullback. And also, you know, of course, the crossfield ball is extremely dangerous in that um, against playing against that system, uh, depending on how far, depending on how far the, the fullbacks push up. So, you know, United yeah. were short of width and that's typically what you'd go to. Van der Beek came on and played sort of wide-ish left the other day, sort of, you know, coming in off the left. Um, I'm sure it's not what he wants to do. Um, and, yeah, I have a bigger question about what Ollie's plan is here because it's three games in a row now he's played McTominay and Fred. Uh, and um, <sighs> That's a frightening sentence. Well, well it? it's, yeah, and then he's got... So he's all the creativity on... Because there's no natural width in the United team at all. Is all the creativity then on Fernandez? And if it is, does does that make it a fairly easy system to play against? You know, I'd suggest it probably does. Um, and you know, maybe teams haven't worked it out quite yet. But if they do, you know, it's going to be a problem for United. So, uh, and then what happens then? I mean, I, I don't know what the plan is, or whether it's just a reaction to the defeat against Spurs. That you know, and it could well be. Um, uh, or yeah, Pogba's really not quite point. sharp yet, you know, we're still suffering with coronavirus, or Ollie doesn't believe in him. I don't know what it is. I mean, he spoke well of him uh, after after the game. Uh, and if he doesn't believe in Pogba, why isn't Van der Beek playing? 
Uh, is it because he doesn't believe that Van der Beek can play an eight? I mean, Fernandez dropped a bit deeper, didn't he, after Pogba came on against Chelsea? Um, you know, does he not believe in Fernandez as an eight? If he doesn't believe Van der Beek and Fernandez can play in the same team at the same time, what was this purchase for? Because yes, you want quality and depth, uh, but United were definitely shorter in other areas uh, than a number ten in which. Fernandez, Pogba, and Van der Beek all want, and Juan Mata, all want to play in that position. Anyway, more questions than answers there, but yeah, some some issues, I'd say. Yeah, and uh, I thought it was worth saying, Fernandez actually had a pretty good game in this game, which just shows you how, how you know, you can't rely on him because it's not like we didn't create anything because he had a bad game. He was really bright and sharp and just generally look to cut above everyone else in the team in terms of like acuity and decision making and all those kinds of things um and god if you put a good team around him i mean we've seen it we've seen it when the good players are all playing and you know united have had united have suspension issues in that martial wasn't there and cavani's obviously not ready and clearly the tellers thing he's not i mean i wouldn't be surprised if we play a back three against leipzig um and play Seashaw and Tellez in the side. It sort of makes sense to me that that's what the plan is. Um, but yeah, all in all, that's a lot of conversation about a game that probably doesn't warrant any more of anyone's time than they already spent watching it. Yes, uh, I suppose so. I mean, there were, there's no details to talk about because I, I can't remember. Were there any great chances United missed? No, I mean, nah. Cavani nearly hit the post with his first touch. Yeah, Rashford hit a couple of decent shots that were well saved. Of, yeah, there's one he got in a very similar position to PSG. Couldn't quite, um, kind of got under his feet a little bit and couldn't quite get the shot away early enough. Yeah, M- Mendy made a good save. It was almost like he couldn't get the shot away early enough or take the extra touch to make it a more dangerous chance. He got caught slightly in between two stalls, Rashford, I thought. And, I, and Maguire and Lindelof. Worth noting, no no horrendous mistakes in this one. They, no, they Lindelof both did okay. really good in position, actually. Lindelof looked really cool and assured and had a really good game all round, actually, I thought. And no howlers from Dave. We haven't had one yet this season. No, and we've had a lot of good saves too. And, and generally looking, is it too soon to say he's looking back to his best? I feel a bit like... Quite fulsome of praise of Solskjaer in the last couple of games and having a big pop and, you know, United won won those two games in a bounce on the bounce after Tottenham and the 4-1 was a great score scoreline and they played some really good football in the last 10 minutes and the PSG game is obviously a fantastic win. This feels very reactive to kind of swing back to kind of like, oh God, it's all a bit rubbish, isn't it? No, after that's all right. But fanta- I think, no, I think I'm talking about me. I'm talking about a bit rubbish. Not, not exactly. it's all a bit rubbish. Yeah, but there is this tent. There is this feeling that a bit rubbish is never very far away. That's the thing, and and this is kind of why the reaction on uh, Tuesday night of like, oh, anyone that's ever doubted Oli Solskjaer is an absolute moron. You know that kind of reaction, which we've seen a lot of. It's like I I'm, I I don't think that's true. I think that this is, you know, this is. Uh, I think there was a lot, like you said, more questions than answers. And hopefully we'll put in a great performance against uh, Leipzig uh, in midweek. And, you know, Arsenal will probably be a different sort of opposition to Chelsea. Although actually Arteta has played quite 
quite defensively in big games. I don't know whether he will in this one, but uh, I guess we'll should we take a break and then talk a bit about news and a bit about those games. All right, let's do it. If you want more from the show in between shows, check us out on the socials. We are NQAT Pod on Instagram, Ed's at NQAT Pod on Twitter, and we are under our real names on Facebook at No Question About That. All right, so the news, the main news is that Marcus Rashford, I I mean, when we recorded the show last time, it was the night that he started doing what he's been doing ever since. Um, His team started doing what they've been doing ever since. Um, I'd said on the show, even though he lost the vote in the Houses of Parliament, he's definitely going to win because a lot fewer children were going to go hungry because of him. I don't think I was quite predicting a massive uh, nationwide campaign that means I'm pretty sure that not a single child is going to have to go hungry over the uh, half-term break if, well... They might yeah. still go hungry, but they're going to get at least a meal, that's for sure. Yeah, look, a lot of the private sector has stepped up here because the government wouldn't. And um, it, I, and uh, local governments. And, lo- and local governments have, but local governments are desperately short on money. Now, there's a whole bunch of, of uh, Conservative MPs claiming that money that local governments were spending um, is central government money because, of course, central government has had to transfer money to local governments to cover um uh the uh council rate rebate that has been this year um and other measures but you know the 10-year trend of central government to local government funding has been very sharply downwards right so it was pretty disingenuous of of some of those mps to to claim it was sort of secretly a win for the government um, yeah, Marcus Rashford has, has owned these MPs. Uh, so I, I, as I was telling you in um, uh, on WhatsApp, um, I know our local MP pretty well, um, and just happened to bump into her in the park um, and spoke to her for about an hour about this. And uh, uh, what she actually said was the um, the debate was just as bad as you can imagine. <laughs> In Parliament, um, so it's not just Ben Bradshaw who's made a complete twat of himself on on Twitter, but quite a lot of people have that take. Now they're not saying that uh, food vouchers are going to crack dens and prostitutes, as Bradshaw claimed, um, but the the general per- pervasive sense on the government benches is that uh, one. Um, it's yeah. Am I am I characterising this right if I say that uh, that um, there's a sense that uh, poverty is um, made by the poor, whereas privilege is uh, earned by the wealthy? You know, and uh, that, that may be a mischaracterization, but I think it's probably fair in plenty of circumstances. Um, and that, so yeah, we had a whole discussion about that. And the second piece is that likelihood is that the government will have to climb down. They're just not going to do it straight away. Uh, which will leave some children short over the October half term, unnecessarily so. Um, and especially since Marcus, as we spoke about last week, has, has made it completely apolitical. Completely. Mm, ex- exactly. And and I'm almost like, I wasn't even going to bring up the nature of the Tory response or anything like that. I, I was kind of more, just because I'm sick of the sound of my own thoughts about Tories, um, uh not positive, just if you were wondering that they're not positive. Someone called me a communist today. I'm, I'm a lot of things. I'm d- 
definitely not a communist. Anyway, um, sorry to my comrades <laughs> if I've let you down there. But, you know, anyway, um, the, the the thing that I found extremely heartening is, I mean, in, in there are there are big, splashy private sector moves, which I'm not so interested in, but it is this this exists this proof of existence of community little local businesses and cafes and people who've been hit incredibly hard massively struggling just saying in spite of all of this we are going to do this and yeah, yes course, well, one one mp actually came out and said well the businesses that are doing this they should have that money deducted from the benefits <laughs> they've had in terms of the furlough scheme and and council tax rebate and all of that kind of stuff i just Sure. I just wanted to just just give me five seconds to end on a slightly more optimistic note about humanity because there's so much bleakness out there. It was nice to see um, that there were some of the posts that, that Rashford's team shared, uh, which got me in a profound way because um, there were some which were a bit like, you know, terms and conditions apply, see site for details, it's fine, you do what you got to do. But there were some which were just like so clearly from the heart and based on personal experience and full of respect and compassion and empathy and, you know, awareness of the stigma and all of those kinds of things. And just like one that was, um, and of course, like mum or dad can have a free coffee as well. And it's just, it's just nice of course we should live in a world where this is completely unnecessary but given that we don't it was it was it shows you what can be done when you inspire people and that's the thing that Marcus Rashford I mean you were saying to me when we were speaking on the phone the other day like look how oh no it was on the show that's when it where it was so people have already heard this but how many kids are like citing Rashford as an inspiration and all this he's making a massive tangible difference in people's lives in spite of the system trying to work against him it's quite remarkable yes and I I think uh, there are many in in government and politics who've miscalculated they they thought they'd hand him the MBE and he'd just shut up and go away and he's certainly not doing that. He's taken his platform and, and taken his position and doubled down and good for him for doing that. Yep, absolutely. And, and so, the other thing is, you know, like, because one of the other reactions has been, oh, well, he's got this massive platform. Well, lots of famous people have massive platforms. Lots of famous people don't do anything with it. Yeah. And, and the people that are attacking him, you know, it really does show you how desperately low certain sides of these arguments have got that that and and where it all comes from so but yeah in spite of all of that he's moved mountains and the world is a profoundly better place because marcus rashford exists and not just because of uh, the late winner against psg either of the late winners against psg but that too anyway <laughs> uh any more news this week and we did we did a very lengthy piece on the midweek yeah. pod about financials and that kind of nonsense. There was actually, uh, if you go to the price of football, uh, he tweeted a thread um, about the full accounts that were published, 780-odd pages of Even I'm not going to go looking through that, um, which had a few morsels in it, including a stock buyback, about £21 million worth of uh, stock buyback, which is just a So prop- why, why do they do that? Just to prop up the share price. Yeah, is a low-volume stock anyway. Um, 78% of the stock is held by the Glazers and so not traded. 22% is traded, but 
even then, um, most of that is held by long-term funds like um, Blackstone and and a few others. So there's not very much traded. So a small buyback like that, uh, which is uh, what you know, one percent less than one percent of the total capitalization of the company, can have a an impact on the the share price. So they're just trying to prop it up a little bit. I don't know whether any of those sort of um, institutionals that own the twenty two percent had had a word. Or, or the Glazers were concerned about that. But yeah, propping up the price of the asset. So is that a commonly done thing in businesses? That they... Yes, I mean, it is. I mean, it was very commonly done, actually, after the, the tax bill was pushed through in the US, um, what, what, two years ago now, three years ago, uh, which just basically gave a, a huge corporate tax cut. So dumped about a trillion dollars worth of, of um, money into, into corporates. And um, that you know, there's a big debate in the at the time amongst macroeconomists, macro macroeconomists. It's late in the day, folks. I can't even say what you know. I trained to do at university mm-hmm. uh, uh, about whether that would lead to um, capital investment, so businesses uh, spending money to create value in the future through things like R and D or training and that kind of stuff, um, and the 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 trickle down view, uh, the sort of supply side economist view is that yes, that leads to business investment and that's good for the economy in the end. What this actually led to was about ninety five percent of that money being dumped into stock buybacks. So returning that money to investors, shareholders, um, which in the case of the US, slightly different in other countries, is only about forty five percent of the population and very, very highly concentrated amongst a few people. And I, I suppose without getting uh, too communist about this, you can imagine exactly who those few people are. Uh, very interesting. Um, there was uh, there was some debate on Kieran uh, for the price of football's Twitter. Um, he tweeted, 436000 spent on tax avoidance services. Lots of people going, oh, well, actually, it's just tax services. Like, could just be VAT advice. And he replied with a gif going, like, I want that job if it's £436,000. And it should, we should stress that, A, I'm just reporting what someone else said, and B, talking about tax avoidance, not tax evasion. <laughs> just want yeah. to stress that if anyone's listening. Much as I'd like uh, uh, one or many of the Glazer kids to be hauled off uh, for doing something <laughs> illegal and uh, sent to um, you know, Her Majesty's pleasure for a few years, I think it's probably unlikely. Yes, I mean, I think the thing with that is, I mean, you know, in the grand scheme of things, that's not a lot for Manchester United, but it was triple the amount spent the year before. Yeah, very interesting. Um, I guess tax has got a little more complicated, doesn't it? But anyway, um, uh, so uh, that's enough of that sort of thing. Let's talk about RB Leipzig. Um, well, we've just played the team that's got Timo Werner in it, so it's a bit confusing that we're now playing Leipzig. Um, how are they doing? I haven't really been paying attention to the Bundesliga at all this season. Um, are, are they are they sort of recovered from losing some of their best players? I see that they've they beat uh, they Istanbul. Yeah, right. Well, there you go. So they're doing all right, clearly. Um, oh yeah, look at that. Played played five one four. Uh, goals four twelve, goals three, goals against three. Not quite Bayern's twenty two goals in five games, or Ajax's thirteen goals in one game. 
I mean, the, the funny thing about the uh, sorry for the diversion, but the the funny thing about the Ajax score so thirteen goals, uh, but the uh, the um, the opposition keeper saved ten. Ten saves. <laughs> that was the biggest in like Eredivisie history or something like that. <laughs> That's that is pretty crazy. So uh, Rasenball Sport Leipzig, as they should no doubt be known, um, are spreading the goals out a lot this season. Um, uh, Forsberg, who is their sort of creative fulcrum across, can play anywhere in the, the sort of three of a four-two-three-one. Um, has two goals. Uh, Angelino there left back or left midfielder also has two goals um and uh Danny Olmo uh, right sided uh, attacking midfielder young spanish Span- yeah came from yeah croatian football i think i'm right in saying so. right and so far that looks to be one of those kind of like uh um uh, ball sport group moves where they they pick someone with good numbers because they're good at the numbers, these guys, aren't they? Uh, he's got three assists already this season in the league, which is a lot. Yeah, I mean, um, look, they they, um, they play with a 4-2-3-1, basically. Um, pretty standard. Solov will probably play up front on his own, maybe, um, I'm guessing. Of course, they've got, um, uh, I was going to call him Patrick Clivert, no, Justin Clivert in the squad these days. Um, and, um, of course, Diet uh, Upamecano, who is attracting interest from absolutely everybody. Yeah. Um, and Manchester United. <laughs> Not like we'd need a quality centre-back or anything. Well, they in the Bundesliga so far this season, they've gone with a back three, three out of the five games, and played the 4-2-3-1 twice. So I wonder if we're going to see back three against back three in this game. In fact, I'm going to go out on a limb and say, I think we are going to see back three against back three in this game because I certain, well, not certainly, I strongly think that United are going to play a back three here. Yeah, I mean, they didn't in the, the game against Bezexia. Maybe maybe they do similar to United. I mean, I haven't, I haven't followed Leipzig at all this season, really. Um Maybe they do against teams they uh, reckon to be um, uh, higher quality. Um, funny, I, I, I normally dip into a Bundesliga game every couple of weeks or so, but I haven't uh, since the since the new season started. Watched a fair bit, as I think many people short of football did at the end of last season. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So um, they are diminished from last season, but not struggling for it at the moment, clearly. Uh, a team a team banging form. They won their, their one Champions League game. They won their game last week. Um, I I guess we could have done with like an unlikely draw or something in this. One thing I will say is this is an absolutely crucial game and I do think United's selection dilemmas are going to be interesting. So we can assume Cavani's going to be on the bench um, and come on. Um, Rashford, Martial will both play. Definitely. Bruno will play definitely. Um, I guess we might see a back three of Axel. Well, I don't know. I wonder. I wonder whether I wonder whether you get Maguire and Lindelof in a back three, who the third one is, whether he'll go with Shaw. He I mean, normally goes with Shaw if it is a back three. I, I'm not quite as convinced as you. Okay. Um, I mean, I guess they'll, uh, they'll make a guess on the formation. So, um, yeah. I mean, plus it's at home for what whatever that means. I mean, we're better away from home apparently these days. Um, being a, uh, a counter-attacking side and all that. 
Um, so, yeah, we'll see. I, I think if it's three, he'll probably go ashore because he seems to trust him there and he certainly makes fewer mistakes there. And two and Zabie's performance against um, PSG was just so such high quality that yeah. I, I'd like to see him get a few more games. You know, it's the- I'd like to see him play in this game because I think the one thing we could say about Leipzig is they're obviously a team that that thrive on playing in the transitions, right? That's that's yeah. That's their- I mean, the other thing about Shaw, of course, is he's left footed. You know, and and that doesn't it does make a difference in in um, possession out of the back if you're playing back three for sure. So I wonder whether you could see Shaw, Maguire, and Twanzebe. I mean, I. I I guess he's not going to drop one of Maguire or Lindelof, but for Twanzebe not to play in this game where Red Bull are so good on the transitions and Twanzebe and Juan Bissaka both absolutely nailed PSG in one-on-one defending and that's been United's big problem. I think it'd be a, a fairly substantially sized mistake not to not to play Twanzebe if, if if it is a back three. Well, actually, I think it's a substantial mistake even if it's a back four, but I, you know, I don't think we're quite there yet. Yeah, and and then the the other open spot is well, open questions are um, who in midfield? Is it Fred and McTominay again? Um, obviously, I'd for various different reasons, I'd like a bit more creativity in there. Uh, and and who plays on the right hand side? I mean, I don't think it'll be one matter again. Twice in four days seems unlikely to me. So it seems like there's at least a possibility that Greenwood's going to start in this game. Um, how do you how do you think this game is likely to pan out? Yeah, there's a possibility he'll start. Um, he hasn't started a game for a, what a few weeks now. Yeah. Um, so yeah, we'll see whether he does. Um, how will it pan out? I think United struggle against this kind of side with the high aggressive press, um, the ability for United's back three, four, or five to get beyond <laughs> that press. In any format at all, it's you know it's it's super hard, um, and um, and any team that is able to turn around um, the game in the transition as quickly as Leipzig do also cause United a lot of problems. Um, given that uh, Lindelof and Maguire are neither any good on the turn or have any recovery pace at all. Now Timo Werner's not in this side anymore, obviously. Didn't cause United too many problems, although we had a fairly deep back line, I would say. Um, Here at home, pushing forward, uh, there's definitely a risk, even if he's not in the side. I mean, um, whether it's Yusuf or or, uh, Solar, they're not as quick. Uh, and and so you know the the Leipzig attack is blunted a little bit by that, but it, it feels like it's set up for United to struggle a little bit. It's the the kind of game in which we have problems. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I I couldn't agree more, and I, I do think it's one of the reasons why it's so important to play Twanzebe. But I think so. So what's the recipe for United success here? To me, I think that if you, that you could actually say playing with a back three. And Teller's on the left, trying to create overloads on the left-hand side and trying to play directly, trying to play rather than consistently trying to play through the press, like play some pingers through. That's another reason to play Twanzebe, that you can hit those long raking diagonals, play Pogba deeper, but not expecting him to carry the ball forward, but with permission to to play directly on on when we 
turnover or a turnover, as it were, try and hit them hard and hit them quickly and get in behind, especially if they play a back three, take advantage of the space on the flanks, but in the sense of getting Rashford and Martial in behind, um, I, I think that might be that might be the way to go in this game. Certainly if we if we see anything like the PSG game, we'll see Martial and Rashford a long way apart from each other um, up front because that's, that's what happened in that game, isn't it? Yeah, I mean... It would, it would again um, load United's attack down one side of the pitch. Yeah, yeah, but but how do we avoid that? I mean, the only way to avoid that, right, is if you even if you play a four three three, Greenwood cuts inside constantly himself, doesn't he? Which, but then at least they're cutting inside from both sides, I guess. Yeah, yeah and at least there's the potential for having an overload or two players out there. As they won't be in a won't be in a three five two or a five three two. Yeah. Anyway, I I think there's a there's a a very big chance United you know, get turned over in this game. Um, I'm not saying it's for definite, uh, and it does depend on United could suck the air out of it by playing three at the back, five at the back, and and being a little more circumspect. We'll see. Um, you know this this is a ty- a side that were pretty comfortable winners against Spurs last season, as uh, yeah. as you'll have seen in. Uh, the Amazon documentary, All or Nothing. <laughs> <laughs> don't know if we've ever mentioned that before. Um, a, a, a fascinating tie and a, a really challenging one and a very different challenge to PSG and and seemingly one that, that is a, a worse matchup. I've been watching a lot of T20 cricket, so a lot of matchup talk in T20 cricket. This feels like a bad matchup for United. Um, we're not going to be able to do a podcast after this game because of some stuff that's going on in my week. Um, but then uh, after that... Um, we play Arsenal and talking of matchups, historically a very favourable matchup for United, but I think a very different challenge because I don't think Arsenal will press and harry in the same way. They've played a very deep block against City. Um, I wonder whether they'll, they'll take a similar approach. It doesn't, you know, unless United hit functioning top gear, it's quite a good way to play against us again, which it shouldn't be now with the, the players in the squad. Yeah, I mean, look, Arsenal are basically playing three four three every week now, aren't they? It's it's the system they're playing, and it, it works for them. Whether they're playing uh, Aubameyang in sort of left and coming in, and Lacazette up top, or Saka uh, is playing today against um, Leicester City, they've got um, in Tierney and Bellerin two very attacking players, well suited to playing those sort of uh, wing back roles. Um, they've now got they are well stocked uh, in terms of central defenders and options although you know a few injuries means uh, Jack is playing tonight uh, which you know perhaps isn't exactly what they want and they have nice balance in central midfield you know Celebos and, and Party is the has the potential for being um, a nicely balanced uh, central midfield you know a bit of bit of grit bit of um, bit of quality on the ball uh, you know yeah. it's not a perfect side by any means. Uh, there's definitely a soft underbelly there still, um, especially in central defence. They haven't quite got that one right yet, um, but but it's a it's a team that you feel is moving forward and in the right direction under a coach that really knows what he wants. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I'm going to predict that we lose two one to Leipzig and beat Arsenal three one. That's my prediction. Just, just calling out random numbers at this point. 
No, no. The, the the logical breakdown behind that is is I think we'll we'll lose to Red Bull and then get a reaction against Arsenal and Arsenal. Do, do Arsenal have like a it. Europa League game on the Thursday night? Yeah, they probably I do. Imagine so. Good, I think everyone good, plays a hundred games a year nowadays, don't they? Yeah, that's, yeah, that's right. Oh, they're they're playing. I I think I think they might feel fairly confident to rest some of their players against Dundalk, who they are playing in the European Europa League. It's pretty offensive, Paul. Isn't it nice not being in the Europa League? Oh, it's very. I good. mean, it's well. Maybe let, let, let's not jinx it. <laughs> yeah, where we got tonked seven nil by Leipzig uh, midweek. That might we might pine for the days of uh, Saint Etienne. We will see. Yeah, um, I, I I don't know if I've got a sense. I mean, I think there's a chance that the Leipzig game will be challenging. I don't, not necessarily we're definitely going to lose though. So I, I might say one all in both these games. Okay. Sounds plausible to me. Um, Patreon backers, stay tuned for some chat about football in general. And everyone else will see you next week. All right. See you then. <laughs>